Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. Today's message as we continue our undefeated series, looking at characters in the Bible. Today's message is about Gideon. Can everybody say Gideon? Gideon. Gideon. I'm sure y'all have heard, if you've been in church before, I'm sure uh, you may be familiar with this. It's a story that the 300 is a story that a lot of people have talked about, and it's a great battle story. But I don't think the 300 is the point. I think we can miss the point if we focus on the victory of the 300, because the victory was won before the battle of the 300. The victory was won well before that. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. That's what I want to talk to you about today. One more time, can everybody just say out loud with me, the fight is fixed. The fight is fixed in your life. There are things that you're looking at right now that you don't think there's any hope that you can get through. You don't think there's any hope. It looks impossible. And I'm here to tell you today that my heart is full because the fight that you've been fighting that you don't know if you can overcome is already fixed. It's already won. It's not whether or not we can win. It's already fixed. So as a little bit of background, <clears throat> as a little bit of background, let me just say this. Because I'm not going to spend a tremendous amount of time talking about this, but I need you to know this. Satan, the devil. I got some myth busters for y'all. Y'all might enjoy this. If y'all don't enjoy stuff and information, you may be really bored for the next couple seconds, but I need y'all to know this. You know, everybody always says the devil needs to go back to hell where he belongs and all of that stuff. Are y'all with me? If you're with me, say yes. yes. The devil's not been to hell yet. I see some, like, say what? Like, he started off as an angel. His name was Lucifer. He was in heaven. He was over all of worship. God said, Papowski, and he went down to earth. Can you say earth? earth? That's where he is. He ain't been to hell. Listen, this is important. He's going there. God is going to kick him out. It says into the lake of fire. He will spend all of eternity there, but he's not been there yet. So his goal for the human race, because he is defeated, is to, is to either send all of us with him to bring people along, to offer them everything that he can possibly offer, and to trick us, and to test us, and to tease us. Or, if you're saved, which is a lot of you in this room, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, if you've given him your heart and life, he knows that you're going to heaven, but he wants to make sure you're defeated here on this earth. He wants to make sure that you walk in, in, in a cowardice nature not walking into your promised land that God has for you. So, so, so if he can't have your soul, he'll try to go against you in everything, in every capacity possible to make sure that you feel defeated in your heart. But I've got news for the devil today. The fight is fixed. He's already won the battle. God already finished the war. Now it's up to us to decide whether or not we will join the fight. Now it's up to us. So I'm going to explain that a little more, but I thought it was really important on the front end for y'all to know that because a lot of people think the devil's in hell today and he's trying to pull people down with him. The devil knows he's going there and he's trying to send people down so that when he gets there, misery loves company and he's trying to have you join the party with him. 
And it ain't a party. It's miserable. It's weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's separation for all of eternity from a loving God that loves us. And so that's the deal. So in this story of Gideon, we're introduced to Gideon in Judges chapter 6. And I want you to see one verse to start with. It's verse 11. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you have your phones or iPads or whatever you got with you. But this verse is a verse that's been sitting on my heart big time lately. It says, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the ter... I always get that one wrong. Terebinth, bent something, right? Why can't it just say tree? Do any of y'all read the Bible sometime? Come on. Don't leave me hanging. Do y'all ever read the Bible and go, God, you couldn't have just said tree? Because I don't know what that is. I know it's a big bushy tree, and so it could have said bushy tree. Come on. At this, which belonged to Joash, I can say that one and that, right? Absolutely right, something, right? But, but this is his name. This is the family name. He was, he was from this, this tribe. He was, he was and, and Joash and Orpha were his parents. And so the angel of the Lord came to them. And while his son Gideon, who was the man of God, who, who the angel came to talk to. Now listen, this is so important. And this is the part that I want to talk to y'all for a minute about. Because it said he was beating out the wheat in the wine press. To, what's this word? Say it again. To hide it from the Midianites. The Midianites had taken over in Canaan. God had, God had sent his people out of Egypt. No more slavery. And they had, uh, Joshua had crossed over the Jordan. They had gone in and began to claim their territory. And the Midianites came in that were a powerful people. And they were intimidating and they intimidated them. I want you to know that the enemy will intimidate you with all means necessary that he has in his arsenal. He will make you believe that there's no hope whatsoever in this life. And if you fall to temptation of manipulation and fear, you will feel like Gideon did in this case. Because here was the deal. The wine press was in the basement. The Midianites were capturing people. They were torturing them and they were killing them. And Gideon hid in this basement to make sure that he could never be seen. Now, I don't know if this strikes a chord with anybody, but this verse right here strikes a chord in my heart big time because, <clears throat> because this is our 300th Sunday. And I can remember in the summer of 2011 when God first called me to plant a church and I was a student pastor and I was having a lot of fun doing it. I love student pastoring. I miss students. This past week, I got to go to camp and hang out with them and sleep on a cot that was about this thick and not have air conditioning. Where's Travis? Say amen. We were, we were cellmates. It looked like a jail cell that we were living in. We didn't get any extra tattoos. We're good. But, but, but I love it. I love seeing heart changing. I love, I love seeing students and, and working. And I thought I would do student ministry the rest of my life. And God called me to something. And I, I reluctantly said yes. My wife was really the one that knew first. And she's the one that pushed me to pray. And how many of y'all know behind every great man, there's a great woman? The ones that didn't say, man, you're in the doghouse. Now, I set y'all up for success. And I'm thankful for that. But it didn't change the fact that at 30 years old, I thought I had it all together. I was about to turn 31. And it was six years ago. I said five. Six years ago in the summer of 2011, I was 30, about to turn 31, and I had it all together in my mind. Do y'all remember those days? Some of y'all are there today because you haven't reached the point that you realize you know nothing and you thought you knew everything. 
But I thought I had it all together. And what I realized is when there was difficulty that came against me and us, I began to hide. Whenever someone disagreed with anything, I began to hide. I began to let my social media page be dictated by what people thought and not what God said. I don't know if this is anybody in the room, but I began to concern myself with what everybody in the world thought. Oh, sure, in front of people, I could make it, make it look like and make people believe that I had it all together, but the reality is, if I was going to make a decision in leadership or in any case, I wanted to make sure that I had the, the pats on the back. You know, it's so easy to get to that point because this world is really hard sometimes. Does anybody agree with that? Is sometimes the world hard? Is it, is it hard to live and work and do what we do? And Gideon was hiding because he knew that God had put something in his heart and he knew there was something there. And I'm telling y'all, I don't care if you believe this or not yet, hopefully at the end you will. But I'm telling you, if you follow Jesus, there is something that God has placed inside of you that is greater than what you're currently in. And everything will come against you. A Midianite, the, the picture of the enemy's force, will come against you and lead you to believe that you are going to die, that the world is coming against you and there's no hope. But I'm here to tell you that he's called you and he's planned for you something incredible. But you can't sit and hide and believe that anything is going to take place that is greater than what we're currently in. And most of us want to manipulate our ways. And if I could just get this group to like me, if I could just get this, if this person would come do this with me, if I, if I could just gain favor with this and we start telling God what he needs to do instead of listening to God and doing what he says. And, and here's what I found in my own life. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And the issue that I found myself in is what I saw did not equal what I knew God had called me to. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? That I knew there was something more. I knew God had pulled me to do something. But I looked in front of me and said, Jesus, we got 30 people at the pizza inn and the band just played this little light of mine. With a harmonica. And it wasn't good. Our band can play it and it'd be awesome. They weren't there. And you start looking out and going, God, this can't be it. This isn't what, there's no way that, I'm just not good enough. I look at my buddies that I had made and I see them being successful. And in your life, I'm not asking you to understand what it's like to be a pastor. I'm asking you to understand what it's like to be a person. And look at people in our lives and begin to evaluate. That person's had more success than me. God, I'll never be what they are. He didn't call you to be what they are. He called you to be what you are. But what you are is not where you currently are. He who began a good work in me will see it through to the day of completion in Christ Jesus. I am a finished product that's walking into it in faith. And the moment that I decide to sit still and I decide that I'm already defeated... And I look at my current conditions and I say, holy crud, I can't do this. I decide to be Gideon and hide. Because the battle between faith and fear is what you hear versus what you currently see. That's the battle. Every one of us face that battle. And look what happened in the story in verse 12. Right after he's hiding, it says that after the death, I'm sorry, back that up. This is, this is so important. And I have to say this first. Joshua chapter 1 says after the death, I'm sorry, Judges chapter 1 says after the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired to the Lord, what are we going to do now? 
Because I need y'all to know this about Joshua. And I said this a little bit last week, but this is so important, y'all. Moses was the man that took people out. And he, was, he, was, he, was, he is a hero today in Israel. When you go to Israel, they're going to talk about Moses. But Joshua was, was the one that brought him in. Moses is the picture of a lamb. He's the picture of the lamb that we just sang about. There are, there are types or pictures of Jesus in the Bible, and Moses was that picture of the one that got us out. Listen, if you're still lost today, it means that you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, so you're dead in your trespasses and sin. The Bible says we're slaves to sin. What Moses did as a picture to the people of Israel is get them out of their slavery. But how many of y'all know that just because you get saved and get out of your slavery doesn't mean you begin to walk in his purpose? And that's the, that's the Joshua picture that... that this is what Joshua did. He, he turned from a man that was kind and was not a great warrior because Moses was not that. Moses led and was an amazing leader, but Joshua was the warrior. When Moses was leading, Joshua was battling. He was his commander. And when Joshua took over, he looked at the cats and said, y'all can worship Baal, y'all can worship whoever you want, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And Joshua was the picture of the lion. Jesus is both lion and lamb. Jesus is not just a passive, kind, loving God. He's always loved, but he's also the warrior. When In Joshua 5, when the commander of heaven's army shows up, guess who that was? That was Jesus. He's the commander of heaven's army. He is our lion. He is our warrior. He is mighty to save. And, and what God wants for your life is for you to face this Judges chapter 1 issue where you go, I don't have Jesus walking beside me in flesh on the earth, so what am I supposed to do? And, and they ask this, well, our, our Joshua, which by the way, the, the name Jesus in Hebrew is Jeshua, same name. They weren't the same person, but he was a picture of the one that was to come. And the disciples asked this same question. How many of y'all know that? When Jesus left, they looked around and said, now what are we supposed to do? And, and in this picture, they said, Lord, what are we supposed to do? Who's going to go fight against the Canaanites so that we can have our land? This is ours, our territory. What are we supposed to do to go fight against them? And the Lord said, send Judah. Judah was not the person or the group, I mean, that, that people would pick. Actually, it's probably the last group. Because Judah means praise. Judah means praise. Judah does not mean warrior. I feel like I'm supposed to hit this for a second. A lot of us love to praise after a great victory. Y'all know that? Are y'all good with praising God after he does something great in your life? We'll post it on social media. We'll shout, God, you did such great things. But the true praisers praise before they walk into the battle. A true praiser is someone that will stand up and say, God, I don't get what's going on and my eyes aren't seeing what you've promised me, but I'm going to praise you knowing you've already won the victory. And that's the shift that has to take place in our lives. It, it's, not, it's not, can God win? Because I think all of us think he can. It's, has he already won in me? And if I believe that with my whole heart, I will praise no matter what the circumstances of my life looks like. And that's why he chose Judah. And that's what was going to shift. And so know this about Judges, and then I'm going to move on. Listen, Judges is the picture of how to fight. If you go from Judges 1 to all the way to the end, and I'm not going to take time. I wish I could because I love going nerd and telling you all this stuff. But, uh, but we get the picture of how to fight, how to fight, how to fight, how all these people that should not have been victors were great victors. But it wasn't because of their talent. It was because of their God. 
And it's the same picture as Ephesians in the New Testament. That book teaches us how to fight against the enemy, to put on the full armor of God in Ephesians 6. That is the same picture as this. And so he says, send them. And behold, I have given the land into his hand, into Judah's hand, into this tribe. I need y'all to know as we move on to verse 12 of Judges 6, that he's given the land into our hand, that the territory out here is ours, that I'm not hoping one day that we get the whole, the whole upstate of South Carolina saved. I'm here to tell you that this is our land. I don't hope so. I don't think so. I know that this is the land that God has given us. If there's ever a people that will stand up and fight and say, yes, God, we trust you, and the fight is not swords and the fight is not guns, the fight is praise. I will praise him before it happens because I believe that this is our territory. Matthew chapter 11 verse 12 says the kingdom suffers violence but the violent take it by force the fight is fixed verse 12 imagine this conversation where the angel comes to you and says the Lord is with you O mighty man of valor you are hiding are y'all with me you are hiding out making sure the enemy can't see you. And the angel stands before you and said, the Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. And you're like, who are you talking to? I'm not a man of courage with this boldness and that's what valor is. But I need y'all to know that when God speaks to you, he speaks about where you're going, not where you are. God does not condemn you. He sent a messenger to, to bring out. Great leaders know how to do this. Did y'all know that? Great leaders see the potential inside of somebody and they start speaking it into their lives knowing that if they'll ever get what's in them that they'll walk into what they can be manipulation is not good leadership seeing what could be and beginning to dream what could be is great leadership and that there's no greater leader than our Lord because he knows the end he knows what we're going to be and so he says the Lord is with you almighty man of valor verse 13 Gideon said to him, please, Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? I had a conversation with a good buddy of mine yesterday. <clears throat> and I said, you know, one thing that I think that we do wrong when we pray. And one reason that we hide is we try to make everybody believe we've got it all together. And even if we're a little bit transparent and we say, I'm struggling. We still aren't willing to go to the Lord and say, why has all this happened? Because we think that it's a sin to ask God why. It's not. It's a sin to be angry at God. It's a sin to spit and fight and curse God. But if you don't understand your situation, who else is better to go to than our Lord, y'all? And in this case, Gideon was like, listen, I know what you're saying, and I might even believe it. But why has all this happened? Why do you want this to happen? And, and, and I know that y'all feel what I feel where sometimes I've looked and said, God, I believe what you've called me to do, but I don't get why it had to go this direction or this way. Are you with me? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us saying, did the Lord not bring us out of Egypt? He said, listen, I remember that we were slaves and now we're set free. I remember that I was a slave to sin and now I'm... I'm, I'm I've been made righteous in your name, that I'm, that I'm a, a saved man. And some of y'all know what I'm talking about in here. I remember that that's the case, and I can recount that. But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hands of the Midianites, into Midian. And they're powerful, and they're strong. God, why did you send the enemy to this world? 
God, why, why is it hard? Why is it difficult? Why couldn't we just step out and put on our Jesus tie and, and play a little Jesus music and be happy? Nobody else feels that way because y'all are quiet today. I don't think I'm the only one. Why does it have to be this way? Look what it says. The Lord turned to him and said, and this is a little bit frustrating because he didn't say here's why. He just said, go in the might of yours. What I've put in you and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? God didn't say, here's the reason I did all this stuff. But he did because he said, I chose to make my name great through you, Gideon. And what you see is your current circumstances, but what I see is what it's going to be. If you'll ever walk in faithfulness and not look at where you are, if you'll ever step out of your comfort zone and not look at where you are, then God will begin to reveal himself to you in a way that we can't even imagine. But, but what it takes is self-awareness of where I currently am and not making excuses of why I got there. That was better than one yeah. But thank you, Kelly. And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I do this? I'm hiding. My clan's the weakest of all the clans. And I'm the least of my clan. I just know this. I know that the Lord told me this, that there's people in the room that feel this way. That you look at your life and you say, my family's not that important. I'm not from a place that's important. The upstate of South Carolina's not big. We can't shift the entire culture of the world. Like this is, it's a pipe dream. It's pie in the sky. And I'm not even, like my, my name doesn't matter. I fall under a name that does matter. No matter what I think about myself, and it's not always pretty, I fall under a name that's far greater than any name on this planet. The name of Jesus is the banner that I fall under, and that name makes me what I am. And when I step out and try to say, well, the Pangle name is not known now, but it's going to be, I don't care about that. I want his name known. And when I, when I walk in that, that's when a change can take place. Because I don't, I don't have to worry about my clan or who I am or what house I come from and look at the response in verse 16 it says I will be with you and you shall strike down the Midianites as one man you shall strike down the Midianites as one man he goes on to say will you show me a sign and in the rest of chapter 6 He's asking the Lord for help. He's frustrated. He feels stuck in his life. And I feel like if we stopped this message right here, we would probably agree that at least the vast majority of us, I have no idea the exact number, but I would say 90% of us find ourselves either still in Egypt, figuratively speaking, that we've never trusted Christ, or we're definitely in the wilderness not walking and taking what's rightfully ours. This is not the world's. This is not the enemies. This is our territory. And I'm not talking about this stage. I'm talking about around us because you are there and your neighborhoods are yours for the kingdom of God. But you cannot do it passive. You have to join the fight. God did not call you to be passive. He called you to be a warrior in heaven's army. But you don't have to be the one that is mighty. He's mighty to save. You just can't sit and watch. You have to join the fight. I'm here to tell somebody today that the fight is fixed. 
that every time we look out and say, this, this can't be, I'm nervous, I don't know if we can win, this looks too good, I, I don't know, I know that church is doing something, I know that guy's doing something, but I don't know if I can be a part of it. You are a part of it, whether you want it to be or not. But it's time to take off the scared and pick up the lion that God made you to be. The fight is fixed. The only way that we can lose, look at this, the only way that we can't win the fight the only way, I'm telling you there is no other way, is if we run in fear. And that is the enemy's goal for your life. The Lord did not give me a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1.7, but power, love, and, and a sound mind. That when, that when everything is attacking my mind, I can have sound mind, self-discipline. I can have clear-headedness, not on my own, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. He called me and you to fight. He called us to fight. But here's why, here's why we struggle with it. Even those of you that have stepped out and said, that's what I want for my life. <clears throat> How many of y'all know that it's almost never? <laughs> Even when God begins to do stuff in our lives, it's almost never what we thought it was going to be. Are y'all with me? Gideon decides that he's going to do this, and he said, I'll raise up the army. I'll lead it, even though I'm the weakest and nobody's going to look at Gideon and say, that guy can do it. He was a coward, but God called him a conqueror as a valor, as a man of valor. And he said, I'll be that conqueror. And so he raises up this army in Judges chapter 7. He raises up this army. And by the way, I just need y'all to know this. This is about Gideon and the 300. Today's our 300th Sunday. If you haven't picked up yet why we're doing this message today, whew, Ooh, you might be that person that I don't want to watch the movie with because you ask too many questions. <clears throat> Praise the Lord for any of y'all that are that way, as long as you don't watch it with me. Anyway, keep going. Gideon in the 300. He raises up 32,000 troops. I'm sorry, 22,000 troops. He raises these troops up and it looks good, right? Except Midian had more than that. But at least if it's two against one, at least we have a lot and we know the Lord's coming with us. And God said, he gave him this instruction and said, I want you to do this certain thing. And everybody that would leave, let them leave. And there were 10,000 remaining. And at this point, if you're the person that's called, by the way, that's every single one of you. You start looking at God and going, I like 22,000 better, but I guess we can still go. Are y'all with me? Until they get to this river, this brook, and God says, everybody that drinks the water this way, and everybody drinks the water this way, they got to go. But anyone that cups it and drinks it this way, they get to stay. And there were 300 left. How many of y'all know that 300 is less than 30,000 or more? <clears throat> now, if y'all are familiar with the movie 300 and Leonidas, and it's historically, I don't know how accurate the movie actually is, but it's historically definitely happened. We celebrate these mighty warriors of the 300 who stood their ground in the did their thing, and I'm not recommending that you watch that movie for a couple reasons, but I like battle scenes and stuff. There's a movie about Samson coming out, and I'm really excited about it, and I love that. I love seeing that, but I need y'all to know that they lost. Did y'all know that? It's really cool, but them cats, they died, all of them, and they were just <sighs> doing their thing. You know what I'm talking about? Like They were just stabbing, and it's really cool, and then they all died. Sorry if you didn't watch it or didn't know history. <laughs> I just became that guy. At least you don't have to ask questions. 
But when, these, when, when his army got down to 300, Gideon didn't start Leonidas and everybody. Because remember, he called Judah to be the one that would win the victory. He called, he called the lion of Judah. And that's what Jesus is called, the lion of Judah. That, that before the victory is had, you should praise on the front end that, that whenever you get to that Jericho with 25-foot walls and you look at it and say, we can't penetrate those walls, and God says, I want you to march around it seven times and on the seventh time, seven more. And you go, good plan, God. What if we just get some ropes and climb over and machetes? And in my case, I would want some guns. Or maybe we could just drop some bombs on them. Nope, I want you to praise. God's plan is not ours. And it's oftentimes ridiculous in our own minds. And when we let our eyes dictate what we will do, we will look at the enemy's camp and we will say, we can't win. Can I tell you all something? You're right. On your own, you can't. But if you'll go in the grace of the Lord Jesus, somebody say what I'm about to say. The fight, come on, the fight is fixed and you don't have to know what it's going to look like you just have to know the one that's already finished it because when he said it's finished on the cross he meant the fight it's already over you just have to walk in it the reason we don't see great moves of God the reason revival doesn't sweep across this nation is not because it can't and it's not because if a church could preach good enough that that will start a revival I'm telling you what starts that is when you say I'll join the fight no matter what it looks like I'll join the fight Revival has never left this planet since the Holy Spirit came. Ever. He is the revival. The fight's fixed. We just got to look and say, the numbers don't add up. The stuff doesn't work, but I'm going to join the fight. Judges 7, when the 300, when we're introduced, it says that he said, now go fight and circle this camp. And they're down here. And I want you to take three different groups of 100, 100, 100 and blast horns this says trumpets, but I believe it was ram's horns specifically. And break some jars. And at this point, you're like, sweet. So we're going to have broken jars and some weird horns that we're blowing. When are we going to fight? The Lord said to Gideon with the 300 men who lapped the water, not did it the other way, I will save you and give you or give the Midianites into your hands and let the others know, others go every man to his home. And it says, so the people took provision in their hands and they took their horns and he sent out the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained those 300. And the camp of the Midianites was below them in the valley and there were so many of them. So many that, that you couldn't count and it would have overwhelmed us. And if we'd have been in one of those three parts around that valley, I don't think scared is the word. If you've ever been scared in your life, I'm with you. And I get it. And so was Gideon. There's no way that Gideon didn't feel fear if he was hiding just a little while before. But the difference was, in his fear, he decided to obey. And the minute that you'll step out in obedience and say, I don't get this, and it doesn't look like a fair fight, but I'll still join it and trust you in battle, the, the fight is fixed. So Gideon... And the hundred who were with him and the other two hundreds as well came on the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. And they had just set the watch. They had just gotten into place. 
and they blew their horns and smashed these jars that were in their hands. Had to feel ridiculous at this point. What is about to happen? Woo! And you're making as much noise as you can. You're like, God, you better show up because if this don't happen, we're going to die. Verse 20. Then those three different groups blew their trumpets and broke their jars and they held in their left hands the torches and in their right hand the trumpets to blow and they cried out, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. They weren't worried about what their eyes saw. They trusted the Lord and they shouted, I believe. And they praised the Lord with a shout. They praised the Lord when I didn't feel like shouting. I still praise him on the front end of the victory. I'm not impressed when people shout after a victory. I'm impressed when a 300 can stand up and say, I don't get this, but I'm going to trust him and I'm going to shout and I'm going to believe that God God is able to save. Goodness, it's good. Verse 21 says, every man stood in his place around the camp and And the army ran and they cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set, listen, every man's sword against his comrade. Like you had had the Midianites who were down in the valley who could have in in minutes, just no time, wiped them off the map and would have won the victory, by the way, against the 22,000. But they started killing each other and against all the armies, and it says that the army fled. And it goes on to say that that they chased them out, and they had a great overall victory against Midian. Unbelievable. Y'all, here's what we got to decide in our lives. Because there's going to be times, as a matter of fact, let me just say this. Some of you, your time that it's going to be is right now where you've got to look out and say, the numbers are stacked against me to the point that it's ridiculous. I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm, i, I got to say this. If you don't have a manipulative spirit in that moment, then I am very impressed with where you are in your life. Because so many times in my life, I've been on the cusp of actually stepping out and joining the fight. And I begin to figure out a way to let God work. And I don't know if y'all know what that means with what I'm saying right now. But for some reason, inside of our brains, because of our fear, we decide that we have to tell the Lord how he's going to do it. And even if we walk in faith, we still want to explain to God how he's got to make it happen. And I'm telling y'all, we don't get that opportunity, but the fight is fixed. And everything will come against you. Y'all, this world is hard. There is never an easy road into our Canaan. Because Canaan is not heaven. Canaan is your sweet spot. It's your redemptive potential. It's what can be. It's your desired destiny in Christ. But, But most people never reach it because they look at the cards stacked against them and they say, I can't win. You can't win on your own. But the fight is fixed. It's already won. We've already won the battle. And the only way that you don't walk into your promised land is if you look out at what it is and you say, I can't do this. I believe that across this nation and around the world today, there are, there are 
thousands and thousands of thousands of people worshiping and they're hoping they get a word and they're hoping that they go home and maybe I'll feel good this week and when, when it's bad, maybe I'll feel better. God did not call you to feel better. He, the fight is fixed. He wants you to join the fight. He needs some lions to step up and say, I'm not the great lion. I'm not, I'm not the good shepherd, but I'm one that can step out and I'm one that can join the army. The fight is fixed. If we sit on the sidelines, we never get to win. The fight is fixed. And as long as we look at our situation and say, I can't do this, and y'all, it's going to be that way. There will never be a next in your life that does not have a hurdle to go over. But the fight is fixed. You just got to keep walking. You don't have to make it happen. You just got to step out and you got to begin to claim. Because the kingdom suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. The force we're talking about is not guns. It's not that kind of violence. It's the violence against the enemy, the prince of the power of this air. Where I look out and say, the one thing that you can't stand against is the name of Jesus. The one thing you can't stand against is my praise. And so I choose that violence. I choose to step out and in love take all of them with me. And even though they may call us names today, and even though they may think we're crazy, there will be a time that they come in and they say, we need what you got. But one man wasn't called to do that. An army was called to do that. The fight is fixed. I want to close with one verse. John chapter 16, verse 33. I think it's so relevant. And I think it's Jesus' setup for us to walk into our Canaan, into our sweet spot. This is the contemporary English version. It says, I've told you this so that you might have peace in your hearts. Everybody say peace. Some of y'all came in here. There was no peace in your heart and mind. You know the internal battles you're facing. You know the health problems you're facing. You know the family problems you're facing. You feel defeated because you're divorced. You hate yourself. But everything that's happened to you up till this point was a setup for what God has for you today. The fight is fixed. He says, while you're still in this world and breathing, you will have all kinds of things to suffer. You will suffer. It will be hard. But Cheer up, take heart, be of good cheer because I've already defeated the world. I've already overcome. The fight is fixed. It's already finished. So don't worry about what you see. And even though we have to tell God sometimes, I don't get this. And if you don't, then go ahead and do it. But don't sit and hide. Stand up, mighty man of valor. Stand up, mighty woman of valor, and say, I will join the fight. And there's a couple different groups that need to join the fight today. There's some of you that are still in your Egypt because you've never said, Jesus, I'm trusting you as my Savior and Lord, and I will leave Egypt. But you don't have to stay in the wilderness. You can join the fight. You have to give your heart and life to Jesus and say, I'm no longer my own. I was bought with a price, and I give my heart to him because he purchased me on the cross. And then for every single one of you that are saved, it's time for you to join the fight. No longer can you be your own. You were bought as well, but you've already said yes to Jesus and you're still in your wilderness. Stand up and fight. The fight is fixed. We will suffer, but we don't have to be defeated. We are undefeated if we follow Jesus Christ. I need to know if there's anybody in this room that will stand with me and say, I want to fight. The fight is fixed and I want to join it. I need to know, is there anybody with me in this place that will say, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm going to fight. I'm not worried about what anybody thinks beside me. I'm going to fight. I'm not worried about what happened this past week. I'm not worried about what happened this past month. I'm not worried about what happened a year ago. I'm going to fight. I'm going to join this battle because he's already won the war. Is there anybody with me in this place?
God, we just thank you that we don't have to have all the answers and that you lay out paths of righteousness for us, for your namesake. Lord, you prepared us to worship you with our whole hearts. That's why we're on this planet. And today we stand up to fight for the name of Jesus because we believe that you've already had the victory with your heads bowed and eyes closed. I need to know, is there anybody in this room with just a showing of your hands and then you can put it back down that says, Pastor, I'm still lost and I need Jesus to save my soul. Come on, just put your hand up. Thank you. Keep your hand up if you will for one second. Keep your hand up over here for one second if you will. Anybody else? There was two people that just raised their hand. What I want you to do is fill out the card that our volunteers give you. And we want to help you take your first steps in Jesus because we are pumped. Is anybody else excited that we had two people that said they want to join? I feel like we're supposed to have a response. I'm not going to yell anymore. I'm not going to try to get you excited. But I want you to stand to your feet. If you'll join the fight with me, I want you to stand to your feet. If you don't really want to do it, I, you're welcome to stay seated. I'm not mad at you. I promise you I want this to be a non-manipulative time. But I'm telling you, everything will try to get you to stand in here and sit where you go. But I'm here to tell you the fight is fixed. In Jesus' name, Lord, we lay ourselves down before you. I thank you for people getting out of slavery and sin. But God, for every one of the people under the sound of my voice, Lord, we no longer accept a wilderness of wandering. And even when we can't understand where we're going, we choose to trust you. In Jesus' name, we trust you. We love you. Amen. If you're getting baptized, y'all slip out right now. I'm pumped that nine people are about to get baptized. I need somebody to shout with me in this place. The fight is fixed. Y'all sing with us.